0: so much for being here this Sunday morning. Everybody grab your hymnbooks now. Stand up, stand
1: up for Jesus. Brother Ken's going to come
0: lead us. Brother Ken, come on, man.
1: Amen. And page number 346 in your red book this morning, we'll be singing, I Know My Name Is There. Hymn number 346 today, the first, second, and last verse, page number 346. Sing it like you mean it.
0: This morning, say amen. Amen. Man, I'm glad to see you. Thank you for coming out on this Sunday morning. I got a mountain of prayer requests that we received downstairs. I'm going to give you just a handful of folks who are in our church for you to keep in mind this morning. Pray for Sister Margaret Bocock, one of our shut-ins. She is now in Roanoke Hospital. Remember her, if you would please. Sister Kimberly Durham, continue to lift her up. Uh, Mrs. Smith uh, is in Stanley Town Rehab. Pray for her, sharing a room with the mother of one of our attendees here at our church. Pray also for Annette Rohr. She was in the ER last night but is home today. Sister uh, uh, Chelsea, please remember Chelsea if you would. Chelsea remains at Duke Hospital serious, serious medical issues she's going through. Brenda Cassidy's got the flu, so please pray for her. we got a whole host of folks who are out and loved ones who are out uh, with sickness and problems. Pray also for Brianna and Travis. They were married yesterday, and again, I've got a whole page full of loved ones that were mentioned downstairs, but let's ask the Lord to meet with us in our services today. James, you take us to the throne of grace if you would. Let's pray together this morning. James, pray for us, buddy.
2: Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be here on a a Sunday morning. Lord, we, we thank you for giving us the great privilege of showing yourself to us, Lord, in your word. Father, we know that you didn't have to do this, Lord. You could have just created us and left us to our own devices. But, Father, we thank you that even in the beginning in the garden that you and your son came down to speak to Adam. And, Father, we thank you that all throughout history you have continued to come down to speak to us, your creatures. Father, we thank you for creating for yourself a peculiar people in your son. Lord, we thank you for sending him to accomplish that plan of salvation and to uh, save us and to make us for yourselves, Father, a a peculiar people. Father, we thank you for giving us, Lord, these wonderful facilities. But, Father, most importantly, we thank you for the privilege that we have to call you our God and Savior. Father, as we sing these songs today and as the uh, uh, special songs are sung later in the service, Father, we pray that our hearts and our minds would be turned toward you and your son and your spirit. Father, we do pray for the spirit's presence here, Lord, to help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, most importantly, we pray for the preaching of the word to come. Father, we know that it is through your word that sinners are brought to to that saving knowledge and the saints are built up. So, Father, we pray that the word of God would go forth in power to draw sinners to yourself and to edify the saints. Father, again, we pray for your spirit, for without that all is in vain. But, Father, we also know that where the word of God is proclaimed, it will accomplish the purpose that you set for it to do. Father, we love you, and it's through your son we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. No other name given
0: among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. You listen to Brother Ken. Love to hear him sing this song. I hope it blesses your heart. me you Amen. listen to his brother scott sings that if you knew him hit it buddy Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wonderful to see you all. I missed y'all last week. Amen. I appreciate Brother Ken and the great job he did, and I appreciate you all being faithful last week, but I'm glad to be back with you this week and appreciate you coming out on the Sunday morning. I know we got lots of folks who are out sick today, but I'm glad you're here, and if you're glad you're here and not home with the flu, say amen. Amen. Several announcements this morning. Uh, Don't forget, this coming Tuesday uh, will be our next ladies meeting at 6 or 6.30, baby. What time are you at? 6.30. I need to update that. Ladies, please note I've got 6. That should be 6.30. That's for ladies, teens, uh, young adult females. Uh, We'll have a guest speaker here, Sister Valerie Dowdell, the pastor's wife from Central Baptist Ranch. And then I also put a new update in there uh, for Central Baptist Church, not ranch, Central... Central Baptist Temple. Well, they should have called it church. Amen. Uh, but she'll be here this coming Tuesday night uh, speaking to the ladies. A uh, Wonderful pastor's wife. I think you'll enjoy her immensely. And then I also want to put uh, call to your attention that uh, five area churches are participating. We called together all those at once. Uh, we with us in the tent meeting, a couple others as well. Uh, so keep that in mind if you would. And then this coming Saturday is, of course, the baby shower for Whitley and Michael uh, 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 at 2 to 4 at Faith Baptist Church. Their registration information is in there. If you haven't already, RSVP to Miss Angie. It was a couple of days ago but they can still do it today. Sister Angie, is that alright? Still do it today. So please let her know today if you're planning on attending and we sure hope you'll do that. Then I also need to update. That should say March the 17th. The Joyful Sounds will be with us two weeks from today. Chalk it all up to flu-induced amnesia. Amen. Uh, and then I want to say a big thanks to everybody who has signed up for our church pledge campaign. All information and money are due by March the 31st, so please keep that in mind and get that information in. And that money in, if you would, we are so grateful uh, that to what everyone has done in that capacity. Also note, if you would, our upcoming golf tournament is April the 27th. I will have that information in your bulletin for next week. Please keep that in mind. And then two announcements that are not in your bulletin. I need all the teens and, and youngsters to please look and listen this direction, and very important. If you think you're going to junior camp with us this year, let me explain the ages for Junior camp, that is those who are currently in grades two to five. If you will be next year going into grades three through six, uh, you are eligible to go to junior camp. The cost is $90. It will be June the 24th through the 28th. There's a sign up sheet out here. If you think you're interested, please sign up within the next two weeks because we've got to get that registration information turned in. And then those of you that are planning on going with us this year to CT's uh, uh, summer conference, that's of course in July. The cost of that That is $300. That uh, includes uh, everything except for one meal, which we're going to help with that. You also need to sign up out there in the next couple of weeks. So, again, Teen Conference or Junior Camp, uh, please sign up as soon as possible so that we can get some accurate information and get those registration forms uh, sent in as soon as possible. All right, let me get all the little ones. Come make your way down this morning if you're heading to Children's Church or Junior Church. Please come on and make your way. If you're visiting, they're going to come around and collect any loose change you got. We call this our Penny March. Uh, Help support our children's ministries here at the church. Take off, young folks. Folks, appreciate that. As always, Brother Scott, you come get ready to sing. Ushers, come on and make your way down now. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. God will richly bless you. I'll pray, and Brother Scott will sing for us this morning. Lord, thank you for the day. This is a joyful day, one that you've made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I pray your blessings upon the offering this morning. Lord, that you'd bless Brother Scott as he sings. Bless the gifts, the giver. May every penny that goes in come just to uplift the kingdom of Christ. We love you. Thank you for loving us now in Christ's name. Amen. Sing, Brother Scott.
3: Many years he walked in darkness As he groped along the streets With his hands stretched out for pennies Or for just a bite to eat It's the story of the blind man Who met Jesus on his and with the master's touch the man looked up as the scoffers heard him say Somebody touch me somebody the oh. master came, oh praise his name, thank God I now can say, somebody judge me, somebody judge me, I was blind.
1: Stand together for a fellowship song, page number 150. The dearest friend I ever had, we'll do that first verse and chorus, have a time of fellowship, page 150.
0: Thank you so much. Buddy, Can you, would you turn me up just a smidgen this morning if you would? <clears throat> Thank you so much, folks. Ladies, you all come. Ushers, come on and make your way back down if you would. This is, of course, first Sunday of the month, so it's Mission Sunday. And, of course, uh, I think most of you already saw Sister Stephanie Kitzmiller is with us this morning. She was in the hospital earlier this week. But here today, aren't you glad when God answers prayer? Amen. Ladies are going to sing. I, I know it will be a blessing. We're going to collect our missions offering first Sunday of the month. In addition to what you give, we put in 13% of tithes and offerings. Lord, bless the mission's offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Bless the gift the giver. And Lord, I pray for every missionary that will be supported in this capacity. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.
4: Do you know how it feels? Though something's missing and hear a still small voice You just keep dismissing Do you know how it feels to be troubled inside To think just for you On oh, across cross someone died Your heavenly Father owns everything. How does it feel to know you are loved by the one who created the stars up above? How does it feel to know you're Your cold heart has melted and tears start flowing. The moment you felt it, do you know how it feels to know you've been changed? And it seems that the whole world has been rearranged. How does it feel to know you're alright? When you lay your head on your pillow each night and know that it's real. Tell me, do you know how it feels? And how does it feel to know you're a child of created the stars up above. How does it feel to know you're alright when you lay your head on your
0: The book of Joshua this morning, please, chapter number 7, if you would. The book of Joshua, chapter number 7 this morning. As most of you know, we have spent several weeks looking at what a series that I've entitled Claiming Our Spiritual Victory. We come now in Joshua chapter number 7 to what I think is the most difficult to read passage. The passage uh, that I have preached out of several times, and every time I do so, I come to it with a pang in the heart because it is a reminder uh, in this passage about the incredible consequences of sin in our life. Let me just say to you this morning by way of introduction that there are some things that we just cannot hide. What do I mean? Well, if you sit down today and you have onions and garlic for lunch, I promise you somebody going to know it. Amen. I promise you if you're flying back from California and you've got 103 degree temperature and you've got the flu, somebody going to know it. Amen. There are some things that you absolutely cannot hide. May I pause just a moment and say for the child of God, For the believer, sin in our lives is something we cannot hide. One of the great challenges, I think, that sin imposes is this idea that when we do something and we seem to get by with it temporarily, we think that that's a permanent fix. We think that there is no immediate consequence. Therefore, the sin is done in secret, and it will not affect anyone or those around us, and nothing could be further From the truth. As Christians, we all know that sin causes problems. But it doesn't just cause problems for us, it causes problems for those that love us, those who worship with us, and sometimes those who work with us. And in this particular chapter, we have a clear, clear picture of the incredible devastation of what happens when there is, and this is the title of the message, sin in our midst. Sin in our midst. Let me set the stage for you for just a second. We're going to read a lot of verses this morning, so rather than reading them up front and in advance, we'll read them as we go through the message. I'll remind you that Israel has just completed, uh, in the defeat of Jericho, an incredible military conquest. I'll remind you further that they conquered Jericho without ever firing a shot. Nobody had to attack anyone. Nobody had to fire a cannon. Nobody had to do anything that even looked like a military. Listen, they simply followed the commandment of God. They simply did what God told them to do. Uh, The wall came tumbling down. Uh, Everyone, with the exception of Rahab and her family, was destroyed. Uh, And now they are marching further inward uh, to conquer uh, the promised land. They are certain, I have no doubt, they are certain that their obstacles, every challenge, every obstacle that they face is going to be just like Jericho. After all, if God can whoop Jericho, uh, then surely he can take care of every other city. What they're about to discover is that God is angry with them. What they're about to see is that God is very upset. Why? There's sin in the camp. There's sin in their midst. Let me pause a moment and say just this way, sin left unchecked becomes a spiritual cancer that will spread and devour uh, that whom it will. Notice verse number 1, please. But the children, chapter 7, verse number 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Let me paraphrase that statement, if I may. One person, One family, one group, disobeyed God, and now God is upset with the entire nation. There's a part of us that says, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. That's not fair. That's not right. Why should that person's disobedience impact my life? Here's why. Because it does. We don't sin, as Christian church, I hope you'll say amen to this, we don't sin in a vacuum. We don't mess up in a vacuum. Sin has consequences, and we're going to see that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I love you today. Lord, I pray for your power upon the preaching this morning. Lord, I believe I've got the outline that you've laid upon our hearts, but Lord, it means nothing unless you empower us to preach it. So, Lord, I pray that you'd hide us behind the cross. Thank you that we're feeling like we can be here today. And, Lord, I pray that you'd use us this morning to be a blessing to these folks. Lord, if there's a lost person, Lord, I pray that you'd convict them so they might be saved today for the rest of us who are saved. Lord, I pray that you'd illuminate for us the devastating, dark consequences that sin brings into our lives. Again, Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us in Christ's name. Amen. Refreshing our memories as to where we've been with this journey as Israel has made its way out of the wilderness wanderings across the Jordan River, conquering two and a half tribes on this side, needing to conquer the other nine and a half tribes on this side. The first city they come to is the great walled city of Jericho. That double-decked city, if you would, uh, with a 30-foot high wall, a double wall, most scholars believe. Uh, Joshua is unable to determine in his own mind how they're going to defeat it. Uh, So he sends in spies. There they meet Rahab. Meanwhile, Joshua's on the outside of the city uh, and encounters someone that the Bible calls the captain of the host of the Lord. And that captain gives him uh, exactly what to do. March around the city one time for six days. On the seventh day, march around seven times. uh, And on the seventh time, hoop, holler, let her rip, tater chip, and the walls uh, will come tumbling down. And having followed the obedience of the Lord, uh, I think the Israelites are ecstatic about what lay ahead of them. I cannot help but think if in the back of their mind they're thinking, well, if it was that easy to defeat Jericho, good golly, Miss Molly, this is going to be a walk in the park. You listen to what I'm about to say. That is real dangerous thinking. You see, when we have a great spiritual victory, the bullseye gets mighty big on our back. And our enemy uh, will at that point seek and destroy whom he may. Uh, He cannot have your soul, so he wants to rob you of the joy of your salvation. And that's exactly what's about to happen uh, with Achan. Notice, if you would please, uh, three things this morning. Number one, there was, first of all, a terrible slaughter. An absolutely terrible slaughter. Look at verse number two of Joshua chapter seven. We'll be reading several verses this morning. Joshua... Sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the men, let not all the people go up. Let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labour thither. For they are but a few. Verse 4. So there went up thither of the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai smote of them about 30 and 6 men. For they chased them from before gate even unto Shebarim and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, notice this clause, wherefore the heart's of the people melted and became as water. After this incredible defeat of Jericho, the next city that they encounter is this tiny little city of Ai. And according to Scripture, I think in the back of their minds as Joshua sends up spies to view the city of Ai and determine their battle worthiness, they see a tiny city in comparison to Jericho. They don't have the wall. They don't have the military strength. Uh, They don't have the might. Uh, And so Israel is absolutely determined uh, we can handle AI. We can take care of this. In fact, uh, they're so complacent, uh, they're so sure of themselves uh, that they say, we don't even need to send in but a couple of thousand people. I hearken you back to when they marched around Jericho. God said everybody marches. God sent the entire nation around Jericho because he wanted them to see that this was God's defeat, uh, not, our, not theirs. Uh, and so now it's time to defeat Ai, uh, and uh, the spies come back and say, this is no big deal, we can take this, we can handle it, to only send in just a couple thousand people. I'll pause a moment and say to you that as Christians, uh, two of the most dangerous places of our lives, listen, number one, after a great spiritual victory, Number two, when we find ourselves in a place of emotional, spiritual pain. What do you mean, preacher? Oftentimes when we're hurting, we can make some dumb decisions. Oh, I hope you'll amend me on that. Oftentimes when we are painfully hurting, spiritually, emotionally, we will say, we will do, we will act in ways that we know are wrong, but we do them anyway. Notice, not only was Israel determined, Israel was defeated. What we just read makes it very plain. Thirty-six Israelites were killed. In the grand scheme of things, when there's three million, thirty-six might not seem a big deal. Can I remind you the grand total of Israelites who got killed in the Battle of Jericho? Zero. Can I remind you that now thirty-six families don't have a daddy? 36 children don't have a daddy. 36 wives now don't have a husband. 36 tribes have lost a warrior. Listen to what I'm about to say. Why, 36 might not seem like a big deal out of a three million congregation. To the 36 families that lost a life, it was a big deal. And it was an awfully, hear me, it was an awfully high price to pay because of sin in the camp. I think they made a couple of mistakes. This is Gregology, but I believe I'm right on this. Because when you compare this battle to the battle of Jericho, there are two things that they did not do this time when they went into Ai. Number one, I don't read where anybody sought out the will of God. If you recall, uh, when Joshua was unsure uh, how to defeat Jericho, uh, he's out on the battlefield, he's out on the sidelines, uh, and he encounters the captain of the Lord's host. Uh, he bows down and worships him. Uh, he encounters this one who tells him how to defeat Jericho, uh, and he follows it to the letter of the law. I don't see anywhere where Joshua goes to God and say, Now, God, how do we handle this one? But more importantly... I don't see where unlike every other battle up to this point where they carried the Ark of the Covenant of God before them. When they crossed over the Jordan River, God said, I want the Ark of the Covenant out front. Everybody follow the Ark of the Covenant. What does the Ark of the Covenant represent? It represents the presence of God. When they had to march around Jericho, what went first? The Ark of the Covenant of the covenant. But now they come to Ai, I don't see them praying. I don't see them beseeching God. I don't see the Ark of the Covenant anywhere. Simply put, folks, I think in the back of their mind, they said, we got this. We can handle this. This is on us. This is no big deal. We can handle this. That is dangerous thought, church can I remind you that we can't even walk without him holding our hand. We can't handle tomorrow. We can't handle today. We can't handle the troubles of life. We can't handle the battles of life. Without him leading the way, we are destined for failure. Israel was defeated. Israel was determined. Not only this morning was Israel defeated and determined, Israel was distressed. Scripture makes it very clear According to what we just read in chapter number 7, verse number 5, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. This is the same group, folks, who just a few days prior were shouting the victory as the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Listen, this is the same people uh, who just a few weeks prior watched uh, as God parted the, uh, the, the, the river, uh, the Jordan River, as they walked across on dry land. This is the same people uh, who had seen God do incredible victories. Listen now. But now they're defeated. Now they're distressed. Now they're discouraged. And in their minds, nothing is going right. Hear me what I'm about to say. I love you this morning, but I have to be blunt. I don't think we do enough job anymore in churches uh, preaching on sin like we ought to. That's my little take on it, but I'm going to give it a rip this morning. Uh, You hear what I'm about to say. When sin is in the heart of the believer, uh, nothing's going to be right. Our job's not going to be right. Our home life's not going to be right. Our family's not going to be right. Our church is not going to be right. When we are harboring sin in our hearts, uh, unconfessed, uh, unopened sin, when we don't take care of it, it will take care of us. There was a terrible slaughter. What happens next is a little staggering, a little hard to read. What was a terrible slaughter becomes a terrifying summons. Go with me, if you would, please, to verse number 6. Notice Joshua, this is after the defeat at the hands of Ai. Joshua, rent his clothes. That means tore them. Fell to the earth upon his face. Now we get it before the ark of the Lord. And to eventide, he and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. By the way, Ai, descendants of the Amorites, that's why he refers to them that way, would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Good golly, Miss Molly. I don't know about you, but it almost sounds like Joshua is blaming God. Look at the next verse. Verse number 8. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Notice, if you would, what I'm calling Joshua's amazement. After the defeat... After the destruction, Joshua and the elders, the leaders, find themselves in front of the Ark of the Covenant on their face, praying, listen, which is where they should have been before they ever went to battle. Now that they're defeated, they're doing what they should have been doing to begin with. I'm preaching to myself this morning because I often like to fix things myself, and when I make a mess, then I like to go to God. Don't hang me out on the spiritual M. Some of y'all the exact same way. And now when Joshua's praying, he says, Lord, I'm paraphrasing, wouldn't it have been better if you had just left us over here to begin with? Instead of taking the whole land, we could have just taken this side of Jordan. We could have been content over here. But now you brought us over this way, and you led us this direction, and now you've let us become defeated. This is really your fault, God. Now let's not turn up our nose in spiritual righteous indignation. There's an awful lot of believers that do the exact same thing. When things are going great, we like to take the credit. And when things fall apart, uh, we like to allay the blame. You hear me what I'm about to say this morning, folks. What Joshua's about to realize uh, is a lesson that we've all got to come to the understation of uh, that God will not tolerate sin in the camp. Whether it's our personal lives, our family lives, our church lives, it's got to be taken care of. Joshua's amazement gives way to what I'm calling God's announcement. I love verse number 10. Look at what it says. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get up, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Keep reading. God, pulling no punches, not one to sugarcoat anything, says, Israel hath sinned, and have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Let me pause a moment and say, when God says Israel has sinned, there's actually only one person, one family. One tribe. But do you understand that person, that family, that tribe? It impacts the entire nation. According to God, it does. Keep reading verse number 12. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. This is God still speaking. But turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore. Look at this clause. Except... You destroy the accursed thing from among you. Or except you destroy the accursed from among you. What is God saying? He's saying, Joshua, I was there when you crossed the Jordan River. I was there and I fought the battle when you destroyed Jericho. And I was also there when I let Ai whoop your hind end. And unless you take care of the sin in the camp, uh, your hide-in-whooping days ain't over. Unless uh, you take care of this, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. How many of you folks uh, understand, uh, those of you who are young may not get this, uh, but how many of you folks there's a, understand there's a bit of a difference between a gentle spanking and a whooping? Amen. Amen. A gentle spanking is a little bit of a love tap. A whooping... Is something that you get called on social services for. Amen. <laughs> I tell my family all the time, it's a good thing I raised my children when I did because they would have been taken from me, I guarantee it. Last Sunday, we were at a Wayside Baptist Church before I accepted the pastorate of, of Amazing Grace. It's the Sunday before Mother's Day, 2001. It's our last Sunday, the church has got several things planned for us, uh, and I did that Sunday morning what I've had to do, what I had to do virtually. every Sunday morning of that child's life, I had to take him out and be whoop him. But on this particular Sunday, uh, as we're going out the back, he screamed, "Somebody, help me!" <laughs> what did you do?" I laughed, and then I whooped him. "Amen!" <laughs> You see, folks, there is a big difference between a gentle spanking and a whooping. And Israel just got whooped. Why? Because there's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp. And God makes the point very clearly uh, unless you take care of this, it will perpetrate and permeate. May I simply say this, folks? Cover it up though we may, God knows about our sins. God, listen. Amen me on this. God hates our sin. He doesn't hate us, but he does hate our sin. Sin always impacts those around us. Sin will hinder God's work in our life and in the church, and sin will be dealt with. It will either be dealt with by us or by God. It will impact everything and everyone around us. Number one this morning, we've got a terrible slaughter. Number two, we got a terrifying summons where God says to the Israelites, You got a problem, and I'm not going to fix it. You got to fix it. Number three, we get to what is, I think, some of the most difficult verses in Scripture to read. There is a tragic sentence. Notice, if you would, in verse number 16, the sinner becomes confronted. Verse 16 is very challenging to read, but it says, Well, let's go back and read it all. Joshua rose up early in the morning, verse 16, brought Israel by their tribes. The tribe of Judah was taken. You understand what that means? Joshua summoned all the leaders of the tribes together. And one by one, God is going to tell Joshua where this sin is. Is it Naphtali? No. Is it Manasseh? No. Is it Zebulun? No. Is it them? No. Is it Benjamin? No. Is it Judah? Yes. The tribe of Judah is taken. Verse seventeen. And he brought the family of Judah. And he took the family of the Zerhites. And he brought the family of the Zerhites. Man by man, and Zabdi was taken. So now we know it's Judah. So the leaders, the fathers of all of the families are lined up. Is it this family? No. Is it this family? No. Is it this family? No. Is it this family? Yes. Everyone but this family is sent home. And then all the individual members of that family are brought together. Is it this one? No. Is it this one? No. Is it this one? Yes. One by one, God is narrowing down who the culprit is. Notice Verse number 18, and he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the son of, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua, can, can, I, can I pause a moment? I, I don't know why I never thought about this before until this morning, actually, when reading through this yet one more time. You know, God could have said straight up, it's Achan. I mean, God did not have to go through this process. He didn't have to line up all 12 tribes. He didn't have to line up all the families of Judah. He didn't have to line up all the fathers of each of the tribes. He could have said, it's Achan. Ever wonder why he did this way? I I, I think there's two reasons. Number one, he wanted to, this is Gregology, I think he wanted to give time for Achan to repent. I mean, the best way to have handled this would have been Achan to have said, it's me. It's me. We can stop now. It's me. I messed up. Do you understand uh, when we come before God and say, you know what, I messed up. Uh, God is a good God. He's a forgiving God. Thank God he's the God of second, third, fourth, and 500th chance. But Achan doesn't do that. And because, this is not going to sit well with some folks, but because Achan refuses to repent, God's now going to let everybody see what happens when sin is not dealt with. You, that might not sit well with our 21st century dispositions. We might not like this idea being made an example of, but here's the rub of it. Uh, if that sin is not dealt with, uh, it will spread through the tribe of Judah. It will spread through the other families. Uh, it will spread to the other tribes. And before you know it, uh, Israel will be turned upside down because that cancer was not rooted out. So now we know who it is. It's Achan. Notice the next verse, if you would, please. Joshua said unto Achan, verse 19, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done When I saw the spoils. If you write in your Bible, underline the word saw and the word spoils. When I saw the spoils of a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Can I pause a moment and tell you that what he's describing there is in by modern society, by our definition, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he calls it the spoils. I coveted them. Underline the word coveted. I saw, I coveted, and took them. Behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. You see, in this moment, the sinner is confronted. God goes through this elimination process, I think, in the hopes that Achan will step up and say, it's me, it's me, it's me. And finally, when he doesn't, God identifies him, and Joshua confronts him head on. And That gives way to Achan's confession. Can I simply say this? Hear me what I'm about to say. Achan confesses, but I don't believe for one second he repents. I don't believe for one second Achan repents. How do we know? Because in describing what he took, he calls it spoils. He says, I saw the spoils of Babylonian garment. Let me pause a moment and say that God said this about anything that you find that was a Babylon. It's not spoils, it's not booty, it's an accursed thing. It's got to be destroyed. And then he also gave very clear commandments what was to happen with the gold and silver. They didn't belong to the Israelites. They were to be used in the simple of God. So the things that belonged to Babylon were to be destroyed. The silver and gold were to be used in the service of God. And Achan calls all of it the spoils. They're not spoils. Spoils are the things you get to take when you defeat someone else. Uh, The Babylonian garment uh, was accursed, uh, and the silver and gold belonged to God. In a sense, and in essence, Achan was stealing from God. I know we don't like that. Here's the worst part. He couldn't even use it. He couldn't even use it. It's not like he can put on the Babylonian garment and say, look what I got. And nobody would know. Those Babylonian garments were outfitted in the grandiosest of colors. Uh, He could not parade that around anybody. They're nomads, folks. Uh, You don't just stumble upon $200,000 worth of gold and silver one day. He stole it. And he's sorry he got caught. Never once does he say, I'll give it back to God. Never once did he say uh, that I will confess my sins. Simply put, you listen now, all of us, listen, say amen, every one of us sin. And God blesses the person who takes care of sin the right way. God will bless the person who not only confesses but repents from the sin. Now, I want you to notice the progression in Achan's heart in verse 21. He says, I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid. I saw, I coveted. That means I liked what I saw. I took as if it was mine. And because I knew it was wrong, I hid it. Can I pause simply and say this? That is the progression for every believer when they get entrapped in sin. We see something we like. We decide we got to have it. We take it for ourselves, and then we hide it away, hoping no one will discover it. Contrast that with how Joseph reacted. Joseph is the great example of how mankind ought to deal with sin. When Potiphar approached him and grabbed him, he fled. Potiphar was smart enough to know, I can't handle that woman. By the way, ain't too many men can say amen right there. He said, I can't handle this. It's too much sin for my life. I'm not going to try to stay here and handle this. I will flee. What does Peter describe Satan as? He calls him a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm a huge fan of nature shows. I love to watch them. In fact, my wife gets so tired of them, we'll be in a hotel somewhere, and I'll immediately flip to National Geographic channel, and I'll say, Honey, what do you want to watch? And she'll say, Anything but that. One of the things that I have discovered is that when a lion is out on the prowl and he's hunting antelope or he's hunting deer or he's hunting bison, the very instant that one of those creatures gets a whiff of that lion, you know what they do? Run. They don't say, hey, y'all, come on, there's a lion over here. He doesn't call up all of his buddies and say, look over yonder. Let's get as close as we can. One of y'all opened the mouth. I'm going to stick my neck down it and see what happens. That's what we do. And then we step back and wonder, I don't know what happened. Preacher, it just snapped down on my neck. No, what happened was we smelled a lion. We liked it. We took it and we hit it. Notice the last thing. Again, I'm done this morning, but this is difficult to read, but it's important. Please go to verse 22. Joshua sent messengers. And they ran into the tent. Behold, it, all the it is all the stuff was in the tent. The silver under it. They took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua, unto the children of Israel, and laid them out before Joshua. Keep reading, folks. Joshua and all Israel with him took the son of Achan, took Achan the son of Zerah, silver and the garment, the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all they had brought them to the valley of Acre. Verse 25, Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Who is the them? It's the whole family, church. It's the whole family. They raised over him a great heap of stones. unto to this day, so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of the place was called the Valley of Acre. And to this day, for a long time, I struggled with these five verses. I struggled, and I'm transparent here. I get why God had to root out Aiken. I get it. I understand it. But I didn't get why He had to take care of Mrs. Aiken and the kids. Then I read a commentary two years ago that absolutely changed my thought pattern. Here's what the commentator said. Daddy doesn't bring in $250,000 worth of stolen goods and the people in the tent not know about it. Daddy doesn't bring in a big old Babylonianish garment and all of this stuff uh, and everybody not know about it. Yeah, a- Aiken was the one sinning, but Mrs. Aiken and the kids turned a blind eye. suffered a high price for their sins. You hear what I'm about to say, folks? This doesn't fit 21st century sensibility, but here's the rub. I'm going to give you an analogy that I hope will make sense to you. One of the things that keeps me trying to be on the straight and narrow is I'm awfully scared of what will happen to my family if I don't. What do I mean, preacher? Preacher. You see, I've seen an awful lot of children and grandchildren abandon God because of what mom and daddy did. It's one of the tragedies of life today. I've seen an awful lot of second and third generations have nothing to do with God because of mistakes that parents made. You say, well, preacher, wait a minute. Are my children and grandchildren going to pay for the consequences of my sin? Here's the rub, folks. If I go out and mess up on God and destroy my testimony and this church's testimony, don't you think it's going to impact my children? Of course it will. Maybe their children. Of course it does. Here's what I want you to get. We don't sin in a vacuum. It impacts those we love, and those who love us, let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Interestingly, you can look this way. Interestingly, not only God didn't tell Joshua to do this; Joshua did this of his own accord. He didn't just handle it the correct way. They set up a monument, a mountain of stones. So that when other generations would come by and say, what do these stones mean? Joshua could say, or daddy could say, or grandpa could say, this is what happens when you disobey God. If you'll recall, when they crossed the Jordan River, they set up a monument. So they could say, this is a memorial of how good God is to us. But over here is a memorial of what happens when we disobey God. I want you to bow your heads with us. I want to make two simple statements. If you're here today and you've never been saved, the day of your salvation is now. Today. Step out this moment. But if you're here today, there's something you need to deal with. There's not a person in this room who's going to turn up their nose if you step out. If there's something, if you're honest, most of us have something we need to deal with something you need to deal with step out right now don't wait for somebody else come on step out right now I want brother Ken to sing us one verse just one verse you come on sing for us buddy Sing this chorus together. I need thee, oh, I need thee. If you would, this is Megan Helms. Come to Unite with our church this morning. Come up here and stand with her if you wish so she won't be by herself. Uh, a lot of you are like me. You watch this young lady grow up. And now she's an adult serving the Lord. She came in a few weeks ago and said, Preacher, I'm ready to join. I said, gave her the stuff. I said, here's what you need to do. So she's come to Unite with our church, been saved and baptized. Uh, all in favor of accepting her into our congregation. Would you say aye? Any opposed? Come around, shake hands with her if you would. Let her know you love her. We're going to be praying for her. Brother Ken, dismiss us in prayer, please. Six o'clock for services tonight. Brother Ken.
1: Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We'll be able to be back in your house. Father, thank you for the faithfulness of your people. God, we thank you, Lord, for our pastor, God, Him speaking to our hearts today. Lord, on the seriousness of sin. Father, help us to continually realize what sin does to all of our lives. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless the rest of this day. Father, be with us this evening as we meet back at 6 o'clock. Father, we do thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we do pray. Amen.